Welcome back, fellow spy fans. Uh, it's your boy Dave and Todd here. Hello. Uh, I am super hyped for talking about this show. Uh, I think last week we um, were really intrigued, but now I'm completely sold on this show. I, I, what I mean, are we talking about? We're talking about the Ipcrest File TV show starring Joe Cole. And uh, it's a six-episode miniseries based on the Ipcrest File film with uh, quite a few changes, actually. <laughs> but uh, tonight we're talking about episode two. If you haven't uh, been able to watch, um, it's currently available on ITV, but uh, that is for England viewers. So, yep, uh, American audiences, you might have to jump through a few hoops if you want to get on board with this, but I do recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, I'm super hyped for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this episode really um, hooks you. you. You get quite a bit of like um, on the edge of your seat tensions. I like it. I like the building of tension in this show. Right, and they've set up quite a mystery, uh, and we're we're kind of getting a lot of. Um, well, one we're watching, uh, you know, from the difference from the film is, uh, Palmer isn't already in intelligence. He gets recruited out of prison and that's kind of like the carrot they're dangling out in front of him is, you know, you help your nation and you might go free. Um, maybe you won't, but maybe you will, but I can't make any promises. So we're yeah, watching well, at least, at least you get to stay out of jail for another couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, we get, um, we get to watch him learn, you know what I mean? And like kind of uh, find out that he's kind of a natural prodigy for the trade, so to speak. Um, meanwhile, we get to see uh, Gene being like just amazing as an actress who's playing the character as well as like kind of her experience in the trade as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm fucking sold. All right, cool. Uh, listen, man, the very first thing that I was most excited about, uh, you know, because I have gone ahead and watched the entire series. You're watching it episode by week by week. Um, the thing that is in the second episode that I was most excited about getting your reaction for is uh, these intro credits slash recap. Uh, uh-huh. You're just let me just get your raw reactions. Cause I want to dive into this. Oh, I love it. Cause they're not like in chronological order from the previous episode, but they give you little tidbits. Cause they didn't do this in the first episode. And it, it was interesting. Cause first of all, the whole show is very styled, like old school cinema. It almost looks like they actually use Technicolor and it has that very <laughs> soft, glowy, sparkly look that like old film had that was using Technicolor. Um, and probably from the camera, you know, that's just very soft look that's almost blurry, but it's not really blurry. You know what I mean? But the the opening credits has that very similar like style where they just have blocks of images like floating around, but they're actually like video, which is like a lot easier to do these days. Um, and, and it gives you like kind of a mini recap of the previous episode. So I, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, so what they do here and and here I want to I want to give my little essay on the graphic design of this show what they do is uh they combine the intro credits with a recap um and the recap uh, you know and and I'm 
supposedly talking to people that have seen the show, like it's done in these like stunning uh, primary color kind of kind of cut out shots. Like as a graphic designer, I'm just like, you know, or like, I'm sorry, I'm not a graphic designer, but I'm a person with a, a, a degree, you know, at least a little degree. <laughs> like it just totally makes me cream my jeans. Um, it's not exactly Cowboy Bebop, but it does, you know, which is its own animal, but it has this really great style. Like you've seen shows do recaps before and they just like, they just basically parade out a series of scenes. But in this one, they're not just doing that. They're, they're, they're narrowing in and focusing in on characters and able to show reactions to what's being said in a different frame that might not have been exactly the way it was shown in the previous episode, but uh, expresses more about like what's going on and to get that done while the credits are being done. And also like uh, really bringing us into the sixties. Like that's another (laughs) thing I like about it. I want to talk about like, okay, so what I'm talking about here is the graphic design of the packaging of the show. It's not, I want to talk later. I want to wait until another episode to talk about the directing, which I think is fantastic and some of the themes. But right now, um, you know, when you go to ITV's website and, and look at the, the landing page of the show, it's immediately telling you like, we're going to do sixties style. I think it was like a Brown, white, orange kind of, uh, composition. They use, what I think is the original film's logo font for the Ipcrest file, which is a bold choice. Oh. Again, like really cementing it to the to the to the 60s and to the source material. And I know I'm half on a rant here, but I will land this plane. Um okay. When I first uh I, okay. I did I did my due diligence. I did my honest thing. I actually subscribed to ITV. Um, yeah, I had to jump with little hoops to like try to pretend I was in the UK. Um, <laughs> but I watched the first episode with ads. And by the way, horrid experience. Oh <laughs> there are so many ads. And they're all for things that I actually can't buy because they're all <laughs> like English products. <laughs> like like it's 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 kind of i mean it's kind of cool to see like you know another country's commercials uh-huh. but like when you're watching basically like their version of a geico commercial uh-huh. uh but it's not for geico it's for whatever the fuck they have over there um you know and it's not even anything you could buy if you wanted to uh-huh. very annoying mm-hmm. but the reason i bring this up is because uh, okay, so now I'm watching ad free and and that's what you and I just saw. And something I noticed and I loved is that at the places where the commercial breaks would be, they still put up the Epgress file like a splash screen with with the the logo of the show. And mm-hmm. I think it's very effective. Um, a lot Absolutely. of these yeah. Like it's, it's got like the old feel to it, but you know, you're getting a lot of crisp 
video footage that they wouldn't have otherwise been able because you know back when they did those like you know where there's like a picture sliding across the screen it was just a picture but we're actually getting like quick recap moments of the previous episode right so for you and me i think like like the comparison to me of of what's going on here is like uh to look at like star trek the next generation and apologize for people that you know have no give a fuck about that show um <laughs> but you know how like uh like when you watch star trek the next generation on like netflix or whatever streaming service like you can still see where the commercial you're not getting to see the commercials but you can definitely tell where the commercials would have been <laughs> right right music swells and uh, 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 and then split second later like there's some calming music and an establishing shot and like we're back into it like they don't um you know they didn't they didn't go back of course streaming didn't exist when they first filmed that stuff so they didn't go back and try to make it seem like uh seamless uh -huh. like you can tell where the commercials are missing from right right <laughs> absolutely now, in this show i think and now with like a, a streaming awareness, um, they could have made that choice. They could have made that seamless, but instead they chose to put up, you know, like tension builds, tension builds, and then boom, you get this black screen, splash screen, the Epcris file. You get <laughs> suddenly reminded what it is you're watching and all of this. And in most cases, you realize like at that moment, you were holding your breath. And, <laughs> and and now you're like, oh, I can. <laughs> so just the the packaging of the show, I, I I had to go off on that rant. Let's talk about the the story itself. Can I can I can I get in there real quick before we get too far started? Uh, we do like to uh, uh, point out repeat performances of actors oh. from previous spy movies that we've covered. We've got one here. Well, we've already mentioned Tom Hollander, mm -hmm. uh, who was uh, quite a different performance in The Night Manager, but we got a new one here. Uh, who's that? Uh, oh, well, he was in Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. I believe he was Soldier. Mm, try again. Oh, my God. No, You got the movie right. Yeah. Now I'm talking about I'm talking about Stock. I'm talking about Colonel Stock, the the KGB guy. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. knew I knew he looked familiar and I also like dude, what a great fucking Russian this guy plays. <laughs> this guy is such a good KGB actor in yeah. in my opinion. Such um, great lines. I, I love the yeah. line with the gun in the funeral. That was that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was in Tinker Tailor Spy, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, the Gary Oldman uh, film version. Uh, but no, he was not. Or oh wait, maybe I have it wrong. Uh, but uh, take another guess. I think it was Soldier, um, but maybe I'm misremembering. Was Soldier Toby? Oh, was he? Yes, uh, I think. I think. Because he was Toby in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're I'm right. Pretty sure oh. it was Soldier. I might you're be right. Wrong. I'm wrong. 
Anybody I, I, listening, if I'm wrong, go ahead and yell at us. On, he on was definitely media. Toby. He was definitely yeah. Toby, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's hand it off to you. What kind of notes you got on this on this episode? Um. Well, last episode I discussed because it it ends with him stealing the cup from the scientist he was supposed to pick up that was drinking the tea, and we open with that cup, so we get that answered. Where he and I was right. He brought it back to prove that he was there, and that way they could determine if the guy was the actual scientist. And it turns out the fingerprints didn't match, so it couldn't have been him. So they used a double to try and, like, I guess, uh, what you call it as a red hair or covering their tracks, so that they'd be like, "Oh, he's dead," so we're just going to give up on this. So I really liked that that uh, the 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 trade off ended with like this big flare up. They weren't really there to kill him is what he said, which is why he was able to get away from like what six people with machine guns. Um, and the idea was he would come back and be like, yeah, he was killed. Uh, but he, he ended up getting, you know, he's, he's light with his fingers. Uh, you know, and he does this in this episode when he gets like, he forces that fight on the bus and he kind of like steals something. I guess we won't find out what it was. He stole till uh, coming episodes, but it, it's, it's something he's good at. Like in episode one, when he convinced the the cop to punch him out so that he could hide his key, mm, mm-hmm. he's really good at this diverting tactic, and and it's just another thing on the list of what makes him like you know a natural at uh, this like intelligence game. Can um, I so can I, I point out that. can I point out a shot that uh, I'm not sure if it's just me, but it might be intentional. Um, there's a scene where uh, Harry and Jean are going through the missing scientist's apartment mm-hmm. and Harry finds a card for uh, basically like a psychiatrist kind of guy who's mm-hmm. going to become important later, although he won't survive the episode as we'll, as we'll talk about. Um, there's, there was something about the way he like uh, uh, took the card. Like it almost felt like sleight of hand, like, like, it, uh-huh. you know, he looked at it and then, you know, he kind of just twisted his hand and it just kind of disappeared. Uh-huh. Um, that I, did you catch that? I, I yeah. Know. He I hid don't... it from Gene. He, right. he kind of just had like, so he, he's already kind of learning that just kind of keep the info close type of thing. It looked like he was hiding it from her. And then it comes out later during the interrogation of that one guy that I'm not exactly sure who he is. Uh, but they were oh, the interrogation of the fellow scientist. Oh, that's right. Yeah, um, they have the first interrogation. He's obviously they feel like he's hiding something, and then later they reinterrogate him after he's been arrested, and and he pulls out that card, and uh, that's the link to I uh, I guess opening the the rabbit hole of the Ipcrest file because um, it's to another scientist, uh, and and, and uh, who I guess they were buying drugs from or something. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Drugs were involved uh, in in that exchange. Uh, I guess it comes out that. Um, okay. So who's our who's our shady guy again? What's his name? Um, uh, Dawson. Dawson uh-huh. is the guy. Dawson is the guy that abducted the scientist in in this situation. And it looks mm-hmm. like in this case, he's acting as like a kind of a free agent although right. tom hollander's character major dalby uh during his analysis of what he's seeing he imagines that 
uh, Dawson was hired by a certain party unknown to mm-hmm. abduct the scientist in order to keep their hands clean. But now Dawson is playing like, uh, you know, a, a bid it up. I've got the scientist uh, kind of thing. And now maybe making, um, Oh, what do you call it? Like social, like a kind of, a, uh, approach it, not approaches, but, um, invitations. There's a word for it. It's escaping me. Um, he's, he's being open to the idea that, uh, the Soviets could outbid whoever else it was that, um, initially hired him. I'm not sure that really works for me. Cause I don't, I don't, I can't figure out who that third party could have been. It seems to me like um, most, I don't know. I mean, if the Soviets hired him in the first place, then why does he have to play like footsie with uh, Colonel, Colonel Croc? Uh, <laughs> Croc, what's his name? <laughs> Yeah. So I don't, I don't know who this third agency would have been, but um, that's all. That's, that's what I got with that. Like, I don't know. I don't know who that third agency might've been, but currently uh, his name Dawson is playing footsie with stock. Okay. And how, how do we find out about that? Um, is, is Dawson's the one that had the Scottish accent or is he the one that tried to bomb? Oh, that's right. It's both. It's both, but he has an English accent up until the end. And then his accent turns Scottish. Total, total plus spy points. Uh, I don't know which accent is his real one. And the fact that he's switching them up is great. I love Um, that. But, uh, we found out that they were kind of in bed together because, uh, they, recruited and actually i really want to talk about this um they recruited stock's girlfriend who um and and stock's in moscow but you know she's like dating him and thinks like you know they're serious but he's got like a wife and kids in moscow and so they like recruit her um to kind of set up like bugs and like kind of let them know when people are coming and uh um that's that's how we find out because uh, Dawson shows up to talk with him. And I'm not sure, is that supposed to be his double? Because Stock later at the funeral, well, anyway, there's a funeral later with the girlfriend and um, uh, Stock says, oh, I guess my double wasn't good enough. So I'm not sure if the meeting with Dawson was the double or if, I don't know, that was some like, I think I, I think I think I know that one. Uh-huh. Or I think I've figured it out on the second watch. Uh, it's definitely Stock that meets with Dawson. To okay. talk very, very surreptitiously, and and we need to circle back on this. Like they're talking uh, about, um, like they're talking double talk. They're uh, talking about soccer players, okay. But they're really having a conversation about negotiating the sale of a scientist. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, it yeah. was really cool because it starts out and they're like listening in, and I think Palmer thinks that like they're actually talking about soccer, but it becomes very clear that they're talking in code, and they're like discussing numbers and players, and uh, I, I thought that was fun. I, I I enjoyed that. 
So as far as the double goes, uh, remember that then like there's a meeting with Dalby and mm-hmm. all his agents where they describe like, okay, we saw stock take this uh, train to blah, blah, blah. And then this flight to Amsterdam and then that flight to uh, another place where someone using stocks, London, known London alias boarded a train for or boarded a plane for Moscow. So I think what happened was um, like, yeah, stock uh, made it look like he went back to Moscow. But he oh, right? oh. oh so he's just mentioning that that was his double pretending that it was his double, but it was actually him type of thing. Right. But he actually stayed in London. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, his double was on the plane and not him. Right. Oh, so that he could have the meeting with Dawson. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. Good catch on that. Cause that was a little confusing for me. Um, but I, di- I did want to take talk about uh, developing the girlfriend as an asset. Number one, just plus by points, finding someone close to him to to like you know recruit and get information on. And they they used the information that he had a wife and stuff to to kind of convince you know like oh that bastard you know uh, we need your help. He's working for the KGB. Like please help us. But it turns out she's pregnant. And this is like really messing with her. And, you know, she just got like the bomb dropped on her. So I, I really liked how, cause we don't get this a lot in the, sh- in, in spy content. Like, well, they'll kind of give us like a, like a moment where like an asset is uncomfortable or scared, but it's usually like really quick and then they get killed or something or right. whatever. Yeah. But this, like, they really gave you like a really believable reason, you know, like here she is. She's just, been told that her like boyfriend that she thought was serious that might turn into marriage is like basically she's she's the mistress he's married with kids and number two like you know he's a kgb agent and on top of that like now she's pregnant and now she's being asked to do all this like shady shit that she's not used to this isn't her like life you know so it really dwells on her and so watching gene try to manage her She's trying to be empathetic, but like she doesn't like, you know, they really developed a character of being this, you know, she makes the comment about people didn't like her in school because she was kind of stuck up. She was kind of like that perfect student, you know, type of thing, you know, and so she, she, she quite doesn't like she, you can tell she feels terrible, you know, or like wants to reach out, but she doesn't really quite have the, uh, I guess, social skills to kind of like connect with this woman but she really wants to. So she just kind of gives her like, just wait until the morning and I'll call you, you know, while this woman's like freaking the fuck out and, and can't talk right now. You know, I, I really like that. We got to see this and it, and it was like, well done. You know what I mean? Like, like it was very real. And I, I really wanted to point that out. So plus by movie points on that. Right. Yeah. I have, uh, I have two thoughts on that. First of all is, you know, I mean, they could have done this operation without, involving the girlfriend conceivably um you know we've seen it done before you 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 just wait until i don't know they're out of the house and then put it in the bugs or maybe you have like 24 7 surveillance but in this case they see the opportunity uh to limit the uh budget (laughs) of their surveillance by only you know, having to like turn on their ears 
when she has flipped the switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how does that work? Well, you know, you look at their relationship and there's no way they, they would have approached her unless they had dirt on stock that, um, I mean, they wouldn't have just like, if they had looked at their relationship and found that it was totally clean, they wouldn't have had the, the opening uh-huh. to go in. Uh, but that's the first thing they do. They establish the fact that your boyfriend is not who he says he is. Right. Um, you're, you're being lied to. You need to get on our side. Right. Um, if they hadn't had that leverage, then I think they would have played it a different way. Um, so that's uh, true. Props, props for that. Uh, my only other second note, I mean, I do want to li- let Jean off the hook. Uh, you know, uh, the girlfriend, you know, all you had to do was, I mean, I, I told you, just just go back and just wait till tomorrow morning and we'll deal with this. Right. She could have done that. Um, but maybe they, they underestimated her um, panic right. you know, ab- about the situation. Um, what else you got? Well, one thing I did want to say about the switch, I, I, you know, the the budget of having human surveillance on all the time might be a big factor, but I I, I think it might be so that they can't pick up the bugs because once it's powered on, they could probably like sweep for them, but this way it's not on. You know, that's kind of what I gathered about the switch, like why the, the switch was needed. Yeah, I like I like that thought. I'm also trying to think like, okay, this is 1965. Um, you know, the whole conversation about, uh, you know, a fake conversation about it being about soccer interested me because in demonstrations of spycraft in, in media in later years, and I'm going to go straight to the Americans here, like all you had to do was turn on a faucet and you knew that, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, or, or just play, play a little classical music in the background. It feels to me like at this point in time in 1965, maybe they hadn't figured out that trick, that right. very, very simple trick. Right. Um, and also it occurs to me that now in the modern era, I think with, um, I, pulling this out of my ass but i honestly believe that with computer analysis that kind of shit wouldn't work anymore right i don't think i don't think i think that you know you could just put the computer on it and you know even if someone was like uh drawing water or playing music in the background i think that you could trust a computer to pull out the and analyze like what the conversation actually was. So um, I, it makes me kind of interested of like, what was the beginning and the end of the era of we can just turn on a faucet and talk in confidence. Right. Well, they, I mean, they obviously understood the capa- possibility of being bugged because they're talking in code within a private quarters, you know? So they like, especially if, if, you know, uh, the, the Colonel stock is, is a KGB agent. He probably knows that they bug people. So they probably have already had it part of protocol to speak in this code. Um, so I, I, you're right. Like, you know, there's this trick that, you know, I guess maybe they didn't figure out back then, but like, they obviously were aware of the, the capacity for them being tapped. 
Right, right. But then me as stock, if if I'm putting myself in stock's position, like I think this conversation needs to take place in a random location where where there's no possibility uh that bugging could have happened. Right. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. A really good point. All right. Yeah, just meet meet somewhere that you've never met before, and that way the enemy has no way of having uh, prepared the area yeah. uh, at all. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, oh, I did want to talk about a couple callbacks uh, that I thought were nice. Um, you know, the, Alice sets up Gene and Palmer in like a house. I'm, I'm still not sure whose house it is. But he, he starts cooking for her and playing music and drinking sherry and stuff. And I, I thought that was nice. It wasn't the exact type of situation, but it was similar enough to where I'm pretty sure they put this in for, like, the, the Ipcrest file, like, like fan base or whatever. That, oh, here's something different, but it's, like, you know, a callback. And then there was another one where they raid the house and it's empty. Oh, right, now are we talking about the end of the episode? No, 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 no. Remember, uh, well, first he gets like an inkling that he might have found a spot. Oh, right, right. It's it's yeah. a dead end, but actually the audience is told that he was on the right trail. Then they raid the scientist's house uh, and uh, everybody's gone and uh, the scientist is dead. So like that, all those shots are like, like pretty much like carbon copy, like callbacks to the original film, which I liked. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. Um, it's definitely uh, uh, yeah, it's got those, it's it's hitting those uh beats. Yeah, that the movie did, but in in different and surprising ways. Um, you know, like the false flag operation that. Uh, but I love, I don't know. I really like how uh, Dolby. Um, I thought they, I I really think this show is better than the movie, or at least for me. Um, yeah. I I enjoyed the movie. I'm having fun watching the show. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> me too. Um, you know, there is the point in the movie where, uh, you know, Harry calls in the raid on the warehouse, and that never really super felt right to me. But in the end, Dolby was like, hey, you know, you know Harry apologizes to Dolby, I got this one wrong. Dolby's like, hey, it happens. Let's go to lunch. Yeah. Um, but in this one with Dolby as Tom Hollander, I think he's he's even better at at saying, like, listen, um I really I, I don't want you to think of this as a failure. I want you to like I don't want you to think of this as so much of a failure that you refuse to trust your instincts in the future uh, you should still you should still let me know like when you know when your spider senses are tingling yeah and you know th that's like one of the major differences of of that kind of situation that's sort of a callback like it it uh, you know previously dolby was the bad guy trader right and he's like giving him shit even though they found like a clue at the warehouse um, and, and that kind of was like a little foreshadowing of him being the traitor. But in this, I feel like 
I'm not really sure that Dolby's the bad guy. I went in thinking automatically he was, and I'm not quite sure, especially with how much the show has changed from the film. Um, right. Uh, so I need to mention, like, uh, going into this, like, we made a promise, which we're now about to break. Uh, <laughs> our promise was that if you listen to our episodes about uh, the, the TV show before you watch the movie, like, you wouldn't uh, get necessarily a huge spoiler thing but we're gonna take the leash off of ourselves on that uh in in that uh in the movie dalby is the traitor yeah um but it's uh it's what i want to nominate and call a duck duck goose situation you know the game duck duck goose yeah (laughs) do you can uh do you do you understand what I'm trying to convey when I say this is a duck duck goose situation with Dolby being the traitor in the movie? What uh, I'm trying to say is it just comes out of fucking left field. It's okay. complete <laughs> it's completely random. Oh, okay. Right, right. right it just right. goes duck 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 goose. Like there's no there's no setup. There's right. no there's it, it just happens. Right. Um and I can promise you that Although there might be some interesting uh, stuff going on with Dolby later in the series, it's not going to be that. So I'm okay looking at Dolby right now, having seen the movie, knowing that he turns out to be the traitor at the end of the movie. I'm okay with talking about what he's doing right here in this TV show. And he does... Uh, I don't know from, from all appearances. Well, okay. There's, there's this though. Uh, he was okay. Harry comes up with the idea of where Dawson's house might be. He calls Jean. They call Dolby. They show up. Guess what? Uh, Dawson's not there but also oh. his uh, like housekeeper or landlord, whoever oh. it was like immediately reports back to him. So they were ready. Yeah. And that, and that, that if you were trying to overthink it, that might be, put some shade on Dolby yeah, or even on Gene, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, because we're certainly not expected at this moment to think that like Harry's the traitor, like how, right. how that makes sense. <laughs> um, but they're also going to show up, you know, with all the police cars at the science, at the uh, psychiatrist's house where they were holding the scientist. Again, it looks like someone tipped them off. Could it have been Dolby? Could it have been Gene? At this point, we don't know. The only person I don't suspect at this point is Harry. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. He, well, and we still actually have the entire CIA. Like, we don't know who's involved over there. Um, and that's what I also really liked about the show is the CIA is not just randomly in the story. Like, they, every, every touch point we get with them makes sense. And so we don't get a whole lot of interaction with them. But when we do, it all makes sense. And you can't rule out anybody on that entire, I don't know, theater of the intelligence work. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I I will uh, criticize uh, Gene's cover story at the BBC 
uh, as being bad tradecraft in that uh, just her boyfriend showing up randomly and, and saying like, hey, I just came by to see Jean. And like the response is like, no one's ever heard of her. Yeah, that could, right. <laughs> right. You could you you should set up your cover better. Like, um, and and this is something I'm excited to talk about in uh, a later episode of the Spies Like Us podcast. Is uh, you know, Jean's story, I think, evolves very nicely of like her life, her her life work balance mm-hmm. as being a spy. Um, and especially as a woman in a man's world, that's something I want to talk about in more detail later. But for right now, I just want to say like, uh, you know, like your cover doesn't just need to be good enough to fool your enemies. It Uh needs to be good enough to fool your friends. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, and this is, this is, this is an easy, this is an easy fuck up. right? Right. Like, like if I'm telling my boyfriend that I work at the BBC and my boyfriend shows up at the BBC and says, Hey, I want to see Jean. And their response is like, never heard of her. <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> uh, you could do a little bit of due diligence there. I think. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I actually wanted to touch on this um, just because when we did La Femme Nikita, uh, this this was oh oh such a great dress. such a great example because that is totally a move totally a story about keeping your secret cover from the people you love. Please continue. Yeah, there's that scene that I love and I'll talk about for the rest of my life where she's like asked to like snipe out some politician or some shit, and you know her fiance is in the other room of the hotel and he's like begging to like her to talk to him because he's like you're upset and you know i care about you and i want to know what's up and she has to keep the secret here she is like getting orders to kill someone crying her eyes out that she can't be like you know the 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 girlfriend or wife or whatever to her man that she's like obviously in love with um you know it's 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 a powerful scene and i i wanted to point that out because here gene is like got this fiance who has no idea what she does. She's working late constantly. And, you know, a a guy gets suspicious. And so now he's like, kind of like threatening her because he thinks that she's cheating on him. You know, he grabs her by the arm and he's like, if I found out that you were uh, seeing someone else, I, 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 I would never forgive you or some shit. And she's like, you're hurting me. And it's like, she like, she's like stuck, you know, like you said, the time wise, she's living in a man's world. So there's already that, you know, uh, especially like the intelligence field. And then number two, here she is with this fiance who's, you know, pretty much dedicated to her. And he's starting to get suspicious and like is wondering what the fuck is going on. And, you know, she has to keep her cover. She can't tell him, hey, by the way, I'm a spy. You know what I mean? Like and 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 and, you know, it's you're getting these little moments where there's like an implication that something might happen between her and Palmer. So as an audience, you're getting torn between all of these different emotions. And and I really like how much stress they really put on Gene and how much that character is able to personally manage the stress. Uh, but, you know, she's always put in these situations that she has to like get out of that, you know, by keeping a cover, maintaining intelligence, you know, protecting national security. I, it's, it's, I, 
I, I really like that. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up like her life and work balance as like uh, an intelligence agent. I mean, I think, and, and again, like I said, like uh, there's going to be later episodes where I think this is explored in more detail and I'm going to mm-hmm. bring it up again. But for right now, I'll just say like, you know, when Dolby, when Dolby is at home with his wife and he gets a phone call that uh, says like, Oh, I have to go work late tonight. You yeah. know, that's normal. Right. When she has to go and work late, it's like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. Like, oh, oh like the double standard. Cause you know, when, when I think it's they total the, double standard. Yeah. And yeah I, think and I think it's going to get highlighted in, in later episodes in a, in a really nice way. Well, in episode one, when he gives her the like Chanel necklace or whatever, he's he's like talking about marriage and their future and you know, oh, by the way, babe, I'm about to make like a fuckload of money. You'll never have to work again. And she's like, Well, what if I wanna work? You know, like he's like totally like got like his whole life mapped out and he's just kind of seeing her as like you're the fiance, the wife of a very powerful and up and coming star man that's going to make a load of money when she has her own life and intelligence that where she's capable and very like respected by her peers. You know what I mean? Like it's I, I, I like the dynamic. And, you know, you were saying how much you enjoy the show more than the film. And I'm, I'm definitely on board with you because the, the film, even though it was fun, especially with the, all the like British quips back and forth. Like the show feels like there's a lot more investment in building the story and developing the characters. And like, I feel very attached to all of these characters. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And uh, her name is Lucy Boynton. Uh, I haven't seen her in anything else. Uh, She makes me a believer in blondes. Um, (laughs) I'm not, you know, I'm not a big fan of blondes. Just my personal taste. This is a blonde that just like sells it so good. <laughs> I, I think I think the production design. There's also like you know we talked about like how like how many times like it looks like a an actual 1960s film. Yeah, it's especially when there's just a one shot on her that I'm like, oh my god, this absolutely transports me. Yeah, uh, back to the sixties. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, she's she's magnetic. Absolutely, I, I, I like her so much, and I think like you know, um, you could you could take different stories and 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 say like, okay, well, you know, it's eighty years later. We're gonna we're gonna throw a bone to the women. We're gonna throw a bone to the black people. We're gonna throw a bone to the Puerto Ricans. This doesn't feel like that in her right. case. She mm-hmm. is honestly like second build for a fucking reason. Um, yeah. It's it's this this is not just a show about Harry. This is a show about Harry and Jean. There is, you know, the black CIA guy uh, has raised more than a few eyebrows. Um, uh, amongst the uh, sim- cinematic elite, uh, in that you know, like, there's no fucking way there was a black CIA agent in 1965. Well, I'm there was sorry. the one in the film. And well, actually, I I have a theory that that whole narrative of like uh, 
no blacks, no Jews, no Catholics, whatever. Uh, I, I, I have a sneaky feeling that that's, that's, that's just like a narrative put out there to, to create like some sort of, um, uh, what would you call that? Um, like distance between actual agents or something, because if, if, if I was in charge, I would use everybody and anybody. And, um, I'm wondering if they might've put that out there to like, uh, make it like, so no one would ever suspect someone like that. Uh, but I mean, considering our, uh, history, it's, 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 it's possible that they really did have that policy. Um, but, but the, the, the Ip Crestfall film had the, the black CIA agent guy. Oh yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, and, and I like that they, they had, uh, the agent in this one, um, be more involved because the CIA shouldn't have like they had, there was no reason for them to be in the film. And, but now we're like actually getting reasons for them being part of the story. And we've already had like the, uh, the CIA agent that like we're watching, like demonstrate that he's like very capable. Like in the first episode, you don't know. He, he tells some, he, he tells Gene when he first meets her, sorry, I'm really hung over. I got really trashed last night. Then like some guy invites him to go drink and he tells him I don't drink. So like, was he lying about never drinking or was he lying about the hangover? You know what I mean? Mm. And, and, and so like, he's very capable of like, kind of like walking the line, you know what I mean? And uh, I'm really excited for the coming episodes just to see like how everybody like participates in the story. Yeah. And uh, uh, believe me, uh, Paul Maddox, uh, the uh, the CIA agent that we're talking about, he's oh. gonna he's gonna have some twists and some turns. Oh hell yeah! Uh, it's 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 gonna get really good yeah. uh, on that aspect. Um, my final note before I want to sign off, and then you know you talk about anything you want. Um, I thought the 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 end of this episode where the music is swelling and Harry is finding like basically like the Ipcress, the empty Ipcress file, uh, 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 movie canister, uh-huh. you know, and all this setup, like it's so, it's so good. It just, <laughs> I mean, I, I just like, I was like, Oh my God, give me everything else you have. The way this episode swells to its ending and I kind of wonder like if this was, I mean, for me, it's very effective because I've seen the movie. So I kind of, I kind of know where this goes, but I also, there's been enough changes in the story where I also kind of don't. So I'm in this really fun kind of uncertainty. Um, But like, this way of like teasing mind control, which is going to become a factor in the story, just like it is in the movie and in the book, uh, was highly effective to me. I like all the hairs on my forearms were like standing up. I don't know if it would have been as effective for someone that hasn't seen the movie that doesn't know what they're teasing, but I kind of suspect it might be. 
Yeah. <laughs> I felt the exact same way. Like I like I told you as soon as we just watched it, I want to watch the next episode. Like I just want to binge the whole thing right now, but I think I'm just going to watch episode 3 tonight and and you know, just to to like kind of wet my palate and get some notes down and then watch it again before we record again. Yeah. Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's let's go watch episode 3. Hell yeah. All right. Well, um if you guys haven't listened to our uh, analysis of episode one yet, go back and watch that. You can find it on uh, spieslikeus.net um, or uh, just search Spies Like Us podcast on any podcast app that you use. And definitely shoot us a line. Um, you can shoot us an email from the website or uh, tweet us at spies underscore like us or uh, drop us a comment on spieslikeus.com or no, facebook.com slash spieslikeus. And uh, we'll see you next week. The preceding transmission sampled the song Enter the Party by Kevin McLeod and sound effects from freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net.